0: Everybody, and welcome to the Wench Bench, where friends sit and talk about fabulous fictional females and how their stories have influenced us throughout our lives. My name is Allison. My name is Fonda. And today, Fonda is going to be talking about Lady Chirp from A Court of Fan Flowers, a Dimension 20 show.
1: Yes! Yes! I'm not going to dive into a lot of it because it's a very good series. I would really love anyone to watch it or listen to it and this is me hinting at allison to like that should be the next one <laughs> I, know, I know i'm working on it i was catching up on i know a different podcast. i know other th- life is short and sweet and you got to do what you got to do when you want to do it but I'm going to talk a, about, like, some general information about A chord of Fan Flowers, and then I'd like to dive into Lady Chirp. Mm-hmm. Um, as Allison said, um, it is a Dimension 20 season. Specifically, it's the 14th season of Dimension 20, which is a TTRPG show on Dropout for anyone that's not familiar. In this season, players take on the roles of characters in a fae-fantastical setting as they explore the world of the fae-wild, encountering magical creatures, unraveling mysteries, gossip, drama, and engaging in thrilling adventures while navigating the complex... (laughs) ...with... navigating the complex politics and conflicts that comes with like fey courts the genre is very like austin-esque period drama um within a fey setting and it's about a 10 episode series and abria Iyengar is the game master for the season in the season, um, some of the things Abria employed for like different game mechanics were like homebrew things um, tied with like DD 5e mechanics that were more homebrew, but to include the good society system.
0: <gasps> I love the good society system. Yeah, which
1: is very much so how like they do this so well because they're still like, for anyone that's more familiar with D, like that will still pop up with the introduction of like, hey, here's how we're including the good society system for this type of game yes. it's very fun oh my god it's very fun allison very fun it, it's it's very like again a good way to include two systems to have it get like the vibe you want for something if yeah. like one system doesn't do it for you and you're like oh whatever and like you try to homebrew something else it's like well you can take from other source material and i think she does a really good job at it
0: mm-hmm. so
1: shout out to Abria. But I'm talking about Lady Chirp Featherfowl, who uh, was made and played by Emily Axford, who's wonderful. Emily yes. Axford is a very seasoned TTRPG player, not just in Dimension 20, but on various other actual play shows and podcasts, such as Not Another D&D Podcast. And she was recently on Critical Role mm-hmm. in Campaign 3. She's very good. Very fun. I love her so much. She's funny. She's witty. She knows the games she's playing, which makes it so, like, she does really cool stuff. Um, And that shows up a lot with Lady Chirp. She sort of made Lady Chirp Featherfowl. Not sort of. She did make Lady Chirp Featherfowl alongside Lou Wilson's character named Lord Squawk Erevis. They're cousins. Nice. It's great. (laughs) It's the best. They're pretty much a package deal. They... they're just they're great they're fucking great they're the highlight of the whole season for me I'm sorry (laughs) to everybody else but they're so good um they're kind of coined as like the party people in the show the reason they're called the party people is because when the show starts it's alluded to that this is like a new bloom and a bloom is like this big giant sort of like get together political event party thing for all the fey courts and in the previous blooms the twins Just fucked everything up. They had (laughs) ragers, they like didn't give a shit. And so like everyone knows them for being like kind of wild and bonkers and crazy and party people. Nice. And they go into this one being like, we can't. (laughs) We can't. And it's super funny for their own reasons why. Lou Wilson is also an incredible. Oh my god, I know. He's the two of them (laughs) bouncing off of each other. Mwah. Mwah. Lou Wilson is one
0: of those people who knows how to commit to the bit. Yes. Yes. knows his assignments and he does yes. them.
1: um but they're both from a house not a court which is very specific um the reason that it's important is because it kind of separates lady chirp and her cousin a little bit from the other people that are a part of courts or don't have courts like it's kind of like a good thing to know lady uh, lady chirp and her cousin um The Patriarch of their family, which is like House of the Wings, they often talk about their grandfather, who is alive and not dead, and it's a whole bit, because he (laughs) lives in the sky, so they're often pointing to, oh, grandfather, as if he's dead, and everyone's, like, questioning it, but he's not. He's very much alive. Um, He just lives in the sky. Pretty much, and their grandfather invented birds. Oh, my God. (laughs) Invented birds. Uh, So due to, like, squawk and chirps sort of, like, they're referred to collectively as the lords of the wing um they do like a lot of misdeeds they tie to certain things about birds being kind of like it's just a huge very fun (laughs) bit and i like it a lot but their grandfather (laughs) wants them to find political matches in this season to help like with their house and a whole bunch of other stuff they got to find good political matches and they're constantly talked about that like he doesn't want his grandchildren to go to the material plane Mm. and like there's big reasons for why and the material plane is kind of an interesting connecting point for lady chirp i don't want to say why but like there's there's a reason that like the material plane is a faux pas and then i feel like there's kind of like reasons why lady chirp thinking back on it as like a viewer i'm like oh i wonder if i would have picked off of like certain interactions or reactions she did if i had known xyz information earlier on in the show Mm -hmm. so like i think anyone that's going to watch it pay attention if you give a shit it's hard because everybody at the table is amazing but if you want to like know some cool stuff about lady chirp like it'd be like pay attention to kind of like how emily is portraying her character throughout the show because she does such a good job anyways he also gets angry when they make bird puns and they make bird puns a lot (laughs) at one point he threatens to eat them which they kind of panic about because they know other people in their family got eaten because that's bird things will eat people yeah it's very funny it's super good uh lady chirp herself just sort of like to describe the character a teeny bit before going too much into it look they all look humanoid for the most part some a little bit more like animalistic um than others in the show, especially because one is like a hobgoblin, mm-hmm. but you know they still got like two arms and two legs. Lady Chirp and her cousin are both very humanoid with some like bird features. So Lady Chirp has peacock-inspired Ooh. elements to her, with like colors, clothing, some fel- uh, feathers, different like visual motifs. Is very much like her aesthetic lots of resplendent colors and like ornate designs and accessories on her and she is a very powerful spellcaster being that of a wizard Ooh, yes very fun i love seeing (laughs) emily play a spellcaster she does such a good job yes so i would love to talk about like her personalities and like quirks because I think they're what makes her shine a lot as a character yeah I love it so much so Lady Chirp Featherfowl's character is like a delightful blend I'm gonna say of like elegance wisdom and whiz whimsy her majestic peacock persona is matched by like her enchanting demeanor because everyone's like oh they're hot like the cousins are they're hot but they're party people and like all these other things and they kind of only knew them as like that one element but in this new bloom we get to see sort of like the elegance and the wisdom and like the cunning and the intellect yeah which is very much so like shows her gracious and unpredictable side at the same time Because beneath all that, like, regal exterior that she's showing off this season, she possesses a sense of, like, curiosity, a mischievous spark, like, making her dynamic... And very captivating in the campaign. Like, she'll do certain things where, like, at first you're kind of like, what? And then, like, later on I'm like, oh, you were mm. playing that person. Or, like, mm. I didn't know why you did that until now and you're bringing up the use of the spell this time around. Like, there's a lot of interesting things about it. Yeah. Especially because she kind of talks like, cousin, huh? Like, she talks like, huh, all the time. Like, kind of like, Arian up here. And it's, like, very, <laughs> like, unassuming. Yeah. Which is very fun. I think as like watchers and listeners, depending on how you partake in certain Dimension 20 show medium, uh, we often get to see more of the playful and mischievous part of Lady Chirp. That's mostly so because it's like reserved to private scenes or just scenes where it's only her and Squawk. When she's like with other people, she's very much like reserved and trying to like find a good match and play the political game but i really love like the cutting of that with lou and emily bouncing off of each other so we can see lady chirp be kind of a fun goofball fey person it's so cool like she plays definitely more of the the like political games in front of everybody which i think is very interesting because All of these people that only assumed they were party people, I think, are very much to like. Oh, like it's fine. They're just the cousins. Like they're just here to have fun or whatever. Mm -hmm. That like they get they get away with some good political shit because of their past. Like, what's the word I'm looking for? Their past indiscretions. Indiscretions, but like a stick. I hate that I forgot the word and I didn't even write it down. (laughs) Not stereotypes. fuck I don't know they did something it made people be like oh they're one note and they fucked that all up by being like I'm multifaceted (laughs) and I think like she does such a good job um but not only that I I I think what I extra liked about this character that Emily played Lady Trip Featherfowl is she's a good listener like you can tell that she's like not only trying to play the political game and pick up of things of like where she'd be like oh I'm gonna I'm gonna ask about this later or I'm gonna like do something about this information you're telling me but she's such a good listener for the fact that like at the table not only is Emily as a player helping move things along As a character, Lady Chirp is also unknowingly helping moving things along Mm -hmm. because she's finding pieces of information. And she's smart enough being a wizard to be like, I know this is important. Mm -hmm. I might not yet know why it's important, but this feels very important. So it kind of like it melds well together with sort of like the player knowledge and the character knowledge combining in a nice way that I think Emily does such a good job at. Because if anyone that ever played any kind of TTRPG game knows metagaming can be easy to do, but also hard to manage, especially when you want to help a story. And so, like, I feel like Emily's character is very much so, like, I'm going to assist the DM. But I really, like, enjoyed that about her. But also, she's just so fucking funny with her puns. (laughs) She does the puns way more. ...than, like, Lord Squawk does. Yeah. And we also find out through, like... I mean, it's the Feywild. Everyone's sexuality is very fluid. Yes. And very, like, wherever they want it to be. But Lady Chirp is very, like... Kind of, like, unassuming in her sexuality. Like, she knows she's oh, okay. hot. yeah. And she's like, oh, like, you know, we could have a marriage of convenience. And, like, she knows certain things. Mm-hmm. But also... There's this, like, she gets really intrigued about certain, like, goblins. Like, there's a, they talk about salt goblins. And she's like, oh, my God, if I knew they existed, I think I would be, like, fascinated and just (laughs) horny. And it's just, like, really funny because it's so sort of, like, out of left field and not in, like, a weird way but more so in, like, an intriguing, like, there's a lot to her as a character, and I'm sad we don't get to focus on her all the time in the show. Yeah. But there's enough that comes up that I'm still just like, oh, <laughs> she, she's fun. She's just so fun. She's my favorite. She's my favorite. <laughs> and I would love to, like, dive more into her personal, in regards to, like, good society. They all have a secret going yes. into the game. yeah. I don't want to tell you her secret because it's so fucking
0: fun to find out.
1: But it's the best bit of the show. It's the best bit. Not only is, like, the person she's interacting with in the bit freaking the fuck out, everyone at the table is just, like, like watching their faces and, like, Brandon Lee Mulligan's at the table and he's just like, what? (laughs) There's, like, all these things. Like, she does such a good job at, like getting these dramatic and fun moments mm-hmm. that I love. I just, I just love her character. I love her character. Yes. So much. Her yeah. personality is like, I'm here for it. Yeah. When a player can really like,
0: cause I love putting things like secrets and stuff like that into my games as well. Giving characters something to kind of hide while also building experiences with the other people. And when you have a player who can like roll with that secret and are able to keep it to are able to keep it and then utilize it in like the right ways at the right moments to help make that that moment
1: that much more impactful it's so fun it's so good it's so good but she's just like she's like a very fun character and I I love her so much I would talk more about Lord Erebus because of it but I also feel like In doing so, I would be taking away some very fun things for you as an audience, whether you're going to listen or just watch it. I think you should kind of, like, experience that for the first time. Moving away, but still related to, I want to talk about Emily Axford's, like, wonderful improv skills. Because that's a huge part, I think, of why Lady Chirp is so fun for me Mm -hmm. and why I find her interesting. Uh, So anyone that doesn't know... Emily Axford is a seasoned performer and, imp- I think, like, I'm going to call her an improvisational actor. I don't know yeah. if that's a, a t- you know. Sure. Yeah, why not? I'm going for it. I'm yeah. living my truth Fuck and it. saying that's a that's a title. That's a thing. <laughs> But she breathes life into a lot of characters. Like I honestly would just love to talk about Emily Axford's role with making cool characters in the shows from like in Nad Pod, when you get to meet Moonshine mm-hmm. in um, the other D- Dimension 20 show uh, Never After where you get to meet her play Ilfa who is this like snotty little like werewolf kind of girl. <laughs> like she makes some very fun characters mm-hmm. and I think the ones that definitely shine the most are the ones where she's not necessarily taking a backseat because of the character Mm. and, like, being, like, maybe reserved or shy. It's when she has characters that are very, like, witty and, like, love to, like, play off of someone else really well. Yes. And I think Lady Chirp Featherfowl, like, shows this a lot with astonishing ease out of Emily Axford. Uh, Her mastery of improv allows her to effortlessly embody the whimsical and ever-changing nature of the failed wild. Like, any time Bria does something, you can tell Emily's like, yes, let me saddle up and throw away these to-do lists (laughs) that I just made. I'm ready for this new thing. Like, it's so fun to just see her, like, go with the yes and so much in this show bringing out like the quirks and nuances that make Lady Chirp such a compelling and memorable character and she's good at doing the improv with other people because i think there's in the show about there's three players i myself am not familiar with but i know they've been in like an improv scene or they're they're familiar with like the DD world but maybe this is the first time their face is being attached to like a ttrpg mm, mm-hmm. show and she does such a good job at improvising and yes ending to highlight them that makes lady chirps seem really intriguing to me which i also think is why the other players find her intriguing too because they're also just like what's up with that like what the fuck's up with this you know like is she just a party person like what's going on (laughs) like all these things it's very fun and more so I think it makes the story more compelling when you have someone that's very good at improv being able to be like, I don't give a shit about maybe the plans I did have right now. This moment seems fun Mm -hmm. or important. And I'm just going to like go with it instead of shutting something down. Yeah. To like ignore it. And I really like that about lady chirp is not only does it seem like Emily's doing it. It does seem like lady chirp is also doing it because she's kind of like, a little bit of a trickster she's like oh yes like i who gives a fuck about what i just thought of yeah let's do your plan because that (laughs) sounds wild it's like so fun but not in like a roguish trickster way that's overdone a lot in like ttrpg games it's fun to see a trickstery kind of like spellcaster wizard yeah because i don't think i see that much
0: no no it's always fun seeing people play with um uh, with, like, floating stereotypes kind of thing. Yes. Right? Like, it's always interesting, especially when in a game like Dungeons & Dragons, the, the classes are so easy to stereotype. It's so easy to slip into those mm-hmm. stereotypes mm-hmm. and to have somebody be like, no, like, I'm going to take this wizard who's just, who's usually, like, you think wizard, you think, like, kind of probably, like, Gandalf, um, or you think somebody, like, super smart, like, some, some Hermione very, like, bookish, Granger, right? Like, Hermione mm-hmm. Granger, like, very, um... I mean, Gandalf had sort of like an impish nature to him as well. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. A little bit of a like twinkle in his eye. Uh, But yeah, you get like a lot more, I think, people who are are kind of like stuffier. And when in reality, like having a super intelligent character could be really fun and you could do a lot with that.
1: Yeah. Like Loki type vibes, Mm -hmm. right? Like Loki's very smart and cunning Thus, Mm. the good nature of being a trickster and having a charisma. So I really love that. And I just, okay. I just genuinely think Emily come at me. If you want to come at me, I'm saying (laughs) this statement, Emily Axford is one of the best players in actual play. And in general, not only does she know the game, how to be creative with its rules and limits, but also how to stretch them to make them more fluid for it. Like, but she's a, she's a very active listener as a player, which is a skill I can only imagine is like super important as an improv actor as well. Mm-hmm. So it's a skill she probably uses all the time, which is why she's so fucking good at it. <laughs> and like needing to actively listen and play off of moments or information other people are giving you is such a joy seeing her in games do. And like I feel... I just she is amazing (laughs) I bet you there's other people out there in the world that you could be like well what about this person listen I only take in so much media in my life I'm never going to listen to every single TTRPG thing that ever existed but Emily Axford is the best there's a reason why Brendan Lee Mulligan says she is a player sent from hell to kill him because she's so good yeah and creative and like fucking funny. Emily Axford's so funny. And, and I just, any character she makes, I think is an extension of a lot of the skills that she has so like seeing her play wizards i think is amazing because emily's really smart with her like combat creative spell usage yeah so smart like she'll she does things constantly whether it's nad pod dimension 20 or like in the latest season of critical role where i'm like oh my fucking god yeah i never would have thought
0: i could try that she just like breaks it in a way that's like creative and interesting and still like fun because yeah. like there are people who go in and like intentionally break the game just to like quote unquote win dandy yeah yeah whereas you can see how the way that she goes about it is in like a it's almost like a personal challenge for mm-hmm. her to find ways creative ways to twist what it means to be like a druid or a Wizard, mm-hmm. like new creative, fun ways to play this game because it is so easy to get stuck in a rut and to just be like, Oh, this is the only way that you can use this spell. And it's like, well, what if we use the spell this way? Or like, what if we like do this? Like, does this apply? And yeah, like I <laughs> I strive to be a DM who could roll with somebody as chaotic as Emily Oxford. <laughs> oh my <laughs> because god. Because I love letting people just do that like just let people have fun just right? try like you're like yeah like try it it's like it might come back and bite me in the ass but like if there's anybody who's gonna fuck you over it is emily oh for sure <laughs> for sure
1: yeah. there's been like i think in every season she's ever been in on dimension 20 she's done one or two things wherever you could just see brennan be like did you just fucking come up with a way to do this without spending this spell slot or this kind of component thing and she's like yeah (laughs) yeah she's like I did and she's so proud of it and that's another thing is I love seeing Emily feel very proud yeah of like doing the fun thing and having it work and other people like interacting with it is very enjoyable and I'm just have words. <laughs> and it's just going to come back in circles all the time of me saying Emily Axford is great. <laughs> and I want to flip that to the less of the improv thing, more of like Emily Axford can hit a lot of deep notes in her characters. Mm. Like I don't know if anyone has watched A Crown of Candy. It's probably the most like intense season they have of like a lot of themes that are touched on. It's also the hardest because it's the only one where Brennan right off the bat was like, you have to make a backup character because like it's going to be hard and challenging in order to do the themes he wanted to do. And I've noticed the most, and especially with lady chirp, she touches on the portrayal of like depth and vulnerability really well without taking anything away from other characters in a scene. Mm -hmm and not just making it about Lady Chirp. Through her nuanced performance, Axford reveals Lady Chirp's vulnerability and complexity, painting a multifaceted picture of Lady Chirp. Not, like, immediately. We already know she's multifaceted because she's a party bird and loves to get down and dirty and misses (laughs) having a lot of sexual escapades and multiple sex... Like, a lot of things. A lot of things. But we see her ability to seamlessly switch between these lighthearted banter moments that she has with like an introspection and depth and related relatability to again Lady Chirp but a lot of other characters that she does I think which makes her more than just this like whimsical fairy in a fantasy setting Mm -hmm.
0: because
1: in the show you find out what her secret is and you find out certain things that, like, she cares so much about that she's not going to have anyone fuck with that. And seeing, like, the vulnerability of, like, at one point, the fear of having it get taken away from her, and she just, like... She's very good at portraying, I think, characters that she's never been in the actual shoes of. But sinking into what has it been like for me to feel vulnerable... How can I have that match, this vulnerability? I will never experience myself in real life, but my character is right now. I think is what makes Lady Chirp feel very three-dimensional in her her presence and not like a one- or two-note kind of character. And I just please go watch it please go please go watch it i know that dropout will let you share passwords if you know anybody with a dropout i'm already sharing mine too much so i can't offer it to you dear your listeners but if you know anybody with a dropout, with a dropout account you should Ask them. I to need let to catch you up on the drag queen one that's out. That, right now. Yeah, I'm waiting till it's all out until I watch it. But yeah. just go, what? It's so good. Like all of them are so good, and I think you'll really find, again, so many good characters that Emily Axford does. And I would love to talk about them all, but I'm talking about Lady Chirp because she was the one that felt like the most intriguing to me in this whimsical political setting. Mm-hmm. That I haven't seen before, really. Again, with kind of like Austin esque genre themes and like all this other stuff, and like I just it it's just it's it's <laughs> really good. It's really, really good. It's really good. It's really good. Um, and I feel like I'm gonna reto all my horns again, mm-hmm. but uh. What am I what did I write? I just noticed it kinda my words. What am I wording? Um just to kind of like get into me ending off why Lady Chirp is very important for the campaign too. She plays a significant role in kind of like shaping the narrative of a Court of Fain flowers. Not only is she I mean, everyone at the table is influential in some shape mm. or form within this political game but she's part of like the lords of the wings and like her and her cousin kind of have like certain political sways because they're not in a court they're in a house so they have like certain freedoms which is really cool to see uh axford skillfully navigates lady chirps interactions with other characters by like adding more intrigue adding more drama helping the plot unfold in like weird creative ways and in general each player that like has power and influence sort of like view Lady Chirp in a way as like, like someone was like, you're like a mom to me and Lady Chirp was like, how dare you? How dare you? How dare you ensue that I'm a mother? Like certain things that are quite funny, (laughs) but like people kind of view her as being like very smart Mm. within the political games, but also so unassuming that I think it makes her a big powerhouse and like i just i just like how great she is and i also like how terrified she is about her grandfather at the same yeah. time just like certain things It's like oh fuck like whenever their grandfather like surprises them they yeah. panic there's like a mini panic <laughs> happening and so it's kind of fun to see like her be this like powerful player in the game but also a powerful player force for the plot but then like also panics when plot happens it's like really nice to see and um i just like in conclusion if this was an essay lady trip Featherfowl, the peacock wizard is a mesmerizing character in dimension 20s a court of fey and flowers Emily, I don't know why I'm talking in a weird voice. Emily Axford's exceptional (laughs) improv skill, combined with her ability—I'm going back to it—infuse depth and vulnerability into the character that make Lady Chirp an unforgettable and beloved figure in the campaign, and anyone watching or listening should be enchanted. Again, should. If you aren't, I have to question everything about you. Because her magical abilities, whimsical demeanor, and surprising twists that she brings to this enthralling adventure in an enchanting world of the Fey Courts is really, really cool. And I think she's great. And I have no other notes because... I don't want to beat a dead horse and I don't want to tell you the plot of the story because was there like
0: a moment or like a scene where you were just like yes like this is this is it I love her and
1: she's amazing it was when she came so they always summon birds to do certain things (laughs) that makes sense yes thematically But but at one point she's chooses not to fly and summons a bunch of emus Oh my God. who can't really fly, right? No. Like they can't really fly. She summons a bunch of emus to kind of sit on and then summons a bunch of other birds to like help the emus fly in like a weird cherry sort of situation. And that's how she enters the bloom while her cousin's doing a very also interesting thing. It's just like that happened and I was like, we're f- the first episode in and I'm yeah. loving you so much but like that was like a re- that was like the moment where i'm like you you're going to be fun she was going to be fun and then i think a moment that made me be like oh you're deep <laughs> you got you got shit going on was sort of when she she had this like really vulnerable moment with with Lou Wilson playing her cousin that i was very it had some like interesting plot stuff so i don't want to like give too much away yeah. but it was very interesting and deep because it was very much so like sort of the thing of like hey together like we are i'm never gonna throw you under the bus (laughs) like there's all these things of like how they'll they'll fuck with everybody else if they have to but like the two of them are gonna ride or die felt very deep to me and like it was it was like vulnerable and nice to see and i think like in any show or game everyone wants like the one person who's always going to be in their court or or corner, so to speak and i just she's really funny she's really funny and i really like her and she's hilarious and she she to me she wins the game because like i don't know it, you're probably familiar with um good society yes yeah but like one of the things that they introduce is like um certain like points you can get depending on like how you're perceived in society like if you get to a certain um, I don't know if it's one for one from what Abria did to Good Society, mm-hmm. but they basically had like these different colored gems and like you would move up as you're doing well. And if you reach the very top tier, you would reset and get sort of like a title yes. or something with you. So they had that. She never failed at that political yeah. game. Not once did Lady Chip fall below and lose anything. She got two cuz it's hard. She got two
0: titles. Yeah. yeah, good society is a fascinating structure. It seems game. like it to I'm me. I'm really curious to see how Abrea transitions it cuz it's it's designed to be a DMLESS game. So mm-hmm. there shouldn't be anybody technically running the game like everybody because mm. everybody plays somebody else's npc um but because obviously there's there is a there is a dungeon master or a game master mm-hmm. um so that doesn't really like necessarily work that way but yeah you are given a thing that you are trying to do and then you are given like different like social status stuff and then you do get more rewards so it's like oh like i'm halfway to this thing and so now i have more renown so like i can talk to people more or like people will give me more stuff and then if you go lower like worse things start happening yeah. and it's it's a super fun like well crafted game it's relatively easy to, like, pick up and play. It's, like, there's, like... Did they include, like, the letter writing? Yes. Parts? Oh, it's yes. like, my favorite. It's, there's, like, a letter writing section where, like, everybody has to write a letter <laughs> to somebody else. And then there's, like, rumors where you can start yep, rumors. Yeah, that's like, in
1: there, too. I love it. I love it so much. It's it's so fun. It's so fun. I love the rumors that Emily, as Lady Chirp, does. Again, they're just very... Her and her cousin, the, the lords of the wings, are so fucking great they're powerhouses
0: having an ally in like a good in a good society-esque game would be super nice because in order to keep rumors around in the actual game you have to continue them so like rumors can die and be forgotten Mm -hmm. but then like somebody can also use the rumors against somebody for like it's it's such a well-planned game i love it so
1: much abria does a -A 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 good job at making it stay and it's kind of like i think as someone who's watched a lot of other shows, it can feel a little slower because of those upkeep things, but it also makes it a lot more rewarding later when certain stuff is like happening because of all their efforts. Yes. It's definitely more of a, um,
0: it's more of a, it is more of a role play character exploration game and not really necessarily about combat. It's Mm -hmm. more of like a character building. It's definitely like you are like the, the, the rules describe it as you are writing a book, a book Mm -hmm. and,
1: you are writing a book together <laughs> it's very fun if there's a, a little npc that i could plop in as like a yes. bonus wovey <laughs> okay i'm not gonna say anything else you are all gonna fall in love with wovey as an npc oh my god she is amazing <laughs> And I wish, my only gripe is I really wish Lady Chirp and Wubby had more scenes together because I truly think <laughs> they would have been good friends. But amazing. Wubby had other things. Other people had other things for Wubby. So it's fine, but still, it's very good. It's very good. The whole yeah. show, again, it's 10 episodes, yeah. kind of longish, but it's a good ride. Very fun, very dramatic. All the players are kind of, like, dressing up. It's very cool seeing, like, yeah. the more, like, roleplay freedom part of it. And, again, I think Emily just shines so much. And therefore, Lady Chirp is a pleasure. <laughs> and that's what I'm excited about right now. Nice.
0: <laughs> what are you excited about? So I'm going to do two things because we have a little bit of time. Oh. Uh, but they're both, they're both quite similar. So the first thing, both are... Um, more tabletop role play, actual play podcasts anyway. oh so the first one is the one that I'm catching up on before I start any for before I start another season of any of the dimension 20 it's called Dungeons and Daddies ah. um, I suggest it <laughs> to anybody it is some of the funniest <laughs> TD that I've ever listened to and they make a joke a lot because they're like uh, Dungeons and Daddies uh, not a BDSM podcast is <laughs> <It's laughs> how they classify it and then in a couple of the episodes they joke they're like we're barely a DD podcast because they do not like follow like any rules <laughs> there's so many times where they're just like i didn't know sneak attack was a thing like they're like i don't know what the fuck they're playing but it is not D. <laughs> it's basically just <laughs> four friends getting together and just like making an absolute nightmare for the dm because it's about four normal modern day fathers who end up trapped in the forgotten realms having to save their sons um at the beginning there's like a mechanic that they put in where if they'd say dad jokes they take like damage (laughs) but it was like getting too it was it was getting like to be too much and like a bunch of other shit happens and there's just so many shitty dad jokes (laughs) there's like the one girl player who's in it is like beth may is her name and she plays her first character is called ron stampler and he's like a stepdad <laughs> and at one point she was like they were making fun of her because she has like a dad voice and she's like i'm doing such a good fucking job at this like i bet you nobody even realizes that i'm a girl <laughs> and her voice is very much a girl making a man's voice <laughs> but she's so fucking confident i love it in I that love character it. voice and i was like i love it <laughs> that's nice you I'm said just, first character Her first character so there's the second season which i'm oh, currently catching up okay. on okay got it where i was worried you're gonna say the dad dies no <gasps> where they're the grandchildren, grandchildren that's funny of their first characters oh um and so fun <laughs> so it's still kind of in the same world fun. things are still continuing all the dads are like ridiculous stereotypes of fathers and they're all horrible horrible fathers oh my <laughs> they, god They're not good dads. Oh my God. The the whole concept is like, you need to create like daddy magic. And so they're they're like learning to become better fathers. Okay, okay. (laughs) And sometimes things happen and you're just like, oh my God. And there's like, they had like, at one point, they went on a whole tangent about like how how one guy like takes his pants all the way off to go to the bathroom because he's like, he's like, there's nothing worse than trying to like go number two and having your ankles restricted by your pants. And so like, <gasps> those are the kind of buck wild tangents that nice. happen where they're just like, they're making shitty dad jokes and just just the most ridiculous fucking nonsense happens. And sometimes I just like, I have to pause the podcast to just... <laughs> recoup? To just recoup and like laugh and just like did that actually just happen? <laughs> and again, I strive to be a DM who could roll with like that kind of chaos. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm.
0: It's like, oh well like I wanna I want to do this. Like this is this is what I want to have happen. And they do so many like so many crazy things happen and it's just such a fun it's just such a fun new twist on a classic game. Um and yeah it's I would suggest it to anybody, Dungeons and Daddies, it's so fucking funny. <laughs> Uh, and then the other podcast is kind of like a self plug too um i just recently finished recording as a guest on a podcast called double d20s oh yes and their first season is completely out on podcasts and they have begun releasing the second season i believe my first character that i played with them is going to be in the third season and then i think i'm in like the sixth season or the fifth season um the first season that i'm in i play a changeling bard in like an old west setting <laughs> And then in the second season, I cha- I play a, uh, like a tiefling warlock who goes to college. It's like Greek week college themed and <laughs> it's, it's chaos. It's fun. And their kind of whole thing is finding, um, finding new ways to play D and D finding new ways to have this, these like role play systems allow you to tell different stories And I think that's so fun. I think their first season is about like a band who's who are like touring and getting back together after having broken up. And so just like new ways to to use an old system and find creative ways to have it. Tell tell the kind of stories that you as a DM or you as a bunch of players want to actually play. And I think it's really creative and I really enjoyed being on it. And it's an absolute riot. And I think uh, more people should go listen to it. (laughs) You heard it here, folks.
1: (laughs) Get on these two podcasts. Get on these two podcasts. Yes. And also watch Dropout. Also watch Dropout. <laughs> Go find Dimension 20. Find a friend that owns a Dropout per- subscription and can give you their password.
0: <laughs> you can find us wherever podcasts can be found. Please make sure to rate, review, and subscribe if you haven't already. You can follow us on Tumblr, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at WenchbenchPod. And if you want to reach out, you can send us an email at wenchbenchpod at gmail.com. All of the art for The Wenchbench was designed by the wonderful Tessa Joyce Rieken. You can find them on Twitter and Instagram at Werevile. Thanks for listening and talk to you soon. Bye. 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 Nice.